<laughs> okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? You seen that movie, Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 scores. Scope, yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, guys. Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Our episode today is sponsored by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order that's builtbar.com matt welcome back and just as you and i finished our episode yesterday we're sitting there kind of contemplating what we were going to do for the rest of the week and the coming weeks and i guess we should just put this in the back of our heads now forever until further notice that the bulls are always going to provide us with something that's just the way that this organization goes anytime we have a few days of of silence, you have to understand that there's something coming for us to talk about, and uh, the Bulls continue to provide us with that. And we'll talk about we'll talk about that in a second. But how are you? And what's going on, man? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Yeah, man. Uh, the Bulls provide um, always and forever, whether good news or bad news. Uh, the Bulls provide, especially you know, like you said, maybe a day here or there where things seem to be, you know laying low, no, no real bull story. I mean, what month are we on now of like a quarantine that has shut the bulls out of the NBA for all purposes? Like we, we were doing the episodes back in March talking about what happens now. And uh, of course, you know, the, the doc gave us plenty of content and, and so did the big free agency new, uh, not free agency, the big front office news. Um, and even still now when things are real quiet and, and we're talking about the bulls, um, maybe, maybe not doing some delete eight tournament. And then if not, not playing until December, you know, the internets, the internets is, is a terrible, awful place, but it also gives us content like Luol Deng doing an Instagram live with a broadcaster from South Africa. And what you probably didn't realize is it was going to bring up some pretty interesting notes about the, Bulls team from the 2010s. Uh, let's just kick it off. I, I don't want to set anything up. If you haven't seen this or you haven't heard this from Twitter, you didn't see this clip from last night. So we're going to play it. It's Luol Deng talking about uh, what happened behind the scenes during his contract talks and how Tom Thibodeau was mad at the front office for not signing him to an extension. Uh, here's what Tibbs right. did for Luol Deng. Said, you know, I the year before the contract, me and Tibbs went in and we talked to uh, Gar Foreman at the time, who was the GM. And we said, you know, I want to sign right now before the free agency comes up and other people offer money. And, you know, uh, at the time he said, 
I was uh, I was uh, 27, uh, 28. He told me to take a, another team discount. Um, and I remember saying, why would I take another team discount? Like, you know, why is there a discount again? Uh, you know, because this is where I was an all-star. Uh, you know, well, yeah. So, um, so he said, you know, we want you to take a team discount. So I was like, okay, what's a team discount? He didn't discuss anything. Uh, and at the time, you know, it didn't make sense for my career and where I'm at, at the best of my career. So Tibbs was upset. And Tips kept telling him, sign Lou. I need you to sign Lou. So when the year started, I wasn't signed for the Bulls. And Tips decided that he's going to make them know how important I am for the team. And ran everything through me. And this is why I love Tips still today. Um, you know, ran everything through me. And I was averaging 20 at the time when I got traded. Um, when, the, when the front office saw that I was averaging 20, obviously now everyone wanted to pay me more money. Uh, so they decided that it was better to trade me before, um, you know, I, they lose me for nothing. Um, so I was called into the office and I was given two days to take 30 million for three years or, you know, or else. Um, I decided to go with or else, um, you know, <laughs> we, had all, we had all summer uh, to sign the deal. Uh, they didn't want to sign it. <laughs> First, Matt, I l bring back Tibbs. Bring him back. Bring his ass back here right now. After I heard that, and the <laughs> the middle finger to the front office is like, you don't want to listen to me and sign Luol Dang. I'm going to run every fucking play through him, and you're going to watch him score 20 a night, and guess what? Then you're going to have to pay him even more. <laughs> what did you take away from that? Yeah, I it was just an amazing story, um, and and a and a great example of how who Tibbs is and how he operates, and I can completely understand from the front office's perspective why they didn't like that because he's like he's just the guy that that said, "Hey, I'm going to do my job. I'm really good at my job. Give me what I need to do my job, and if you don't, I will slight you." I, I like I saw the, like the Tibbs front office relationship is sort of like a Dr. Cox, Dr. Kelso from Scrubs kind of relationship. It's like, hey, I know you you're the one who's actually actually in charge, but I'm the one doing all the damn work around here. Show me some respect and give me what I um so to hear this story from the wall, which by the way, you know, that that's one clip talking about his uh you know, uh, his contract scenario in, in the summer of, uh, or leading up to the 13, 14 season, which turned out to be his last, the whole interview is amazing. Um, it's, it's with, I, you know, I mentioned, uh, she's a broadcaster from South Africa. Her name is Carol Shabalala. Um, I, I was somewhat familiar with her work. She does some stuff for EPL out of the NBC studio in London occasionally. Great interviewer, uh, and gets, you know, Luol to talk about all things, uh, NBA life, pre-NBA life, post, you know, retirement life, uh, what basketball has meant to him as, as you know, being um, someone from Africa and trying to bring the sport to Africa. A really great interview. So, yeah. But as far as the, the context about that contract decision, the the part that's really frosty where I understand Luol being like feeling like he feels burned is the whole like, we're going to give you 48 hours. 48 hours, 
three years, 30, take it or leave it. And Lou Wall saying, after everything we've been through, this is a dude who's like top 10, if not top five, in pretty much every franchise statistical category after playing for the organization for, you know, 10 years or close to it. That that's how you that's how you let him go. That's how you give him the final ultimatum. It's just one of many examples and athletes feeling loyalties to the team that molds them, to the team that drafts them, and no loyalty being shown the other way. Kept our flexibility long term, which was also important to us. Take a team discount. <laughs> I love that Luol's like, what the fuck does a team discount mean? What does that mean? What do you mean take a team discount? Oh, man. You understand why Jerry Reinsdorf loved Gar Foreman so much now, right? Does everybody understand that? Is that pretty clear to everybody just from Luol Dang's account? If you don't want to, if you want to ignore everything else, you want to ignore the Jimmy stuff, you want to ignore uh, Joe Keem, you want to ignore anything else that has happened contra- contractual-wise, listen to what Luol Dang said. And this was, I mean, Carl Foreman was only in his first couple of years when Luol Dang came to the Bulls. And so this is a dude that had been here pretty early on and understood what... When Gar Foreman, I guess the front office was trying to do. I want to dive back into this a little bit more because I think uh, outside of the decision and some of that, it's brought up some other memories about twenty, the twenty early 2010s that I kind of want to get your take on, Matt. But before I do that, I want to talk to you guys about Rock Auto. Rock Auto has been a wonderful sponsor for the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Bulls here for the month of May and the month of June and the month of July rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years go to rockauto.com to shop for auto parts and all the body parts from hundreds of manufacturers they have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps motor oil and every and even new carpet whether it's for your classic or daily driver get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door the rockauto.com catalog is unique remarkably easy to navigate quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands specifications and prices you prefer best of all prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers why speed why spend up to twice as much at for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car and truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us tab so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com make sure you mention locked on bulls sent you um this this idea that i mean there's enough evidence now that the bulls can't even deny the fact that some of this going on over the last decade or so with their contracts and the way that they've been sh- it almost makes me feel shystery when we talk about the Bulls and the way that they con- they negotiated their contracts with their players. There is enough evidence, Matt. Would you agree there's enough evidence in front of us where the Bulls can't even deny the fact that they haven't had great negotiations with their players and relationships when it comes to contract talks in the last decade? I mean, is there any defense for them? Where they could say, you know what, maybe things didn't go certain ways for some players, but we did take care of other guys. I'm trying to think. I can't think of off the top of my head where the Bulls have been like, you know what, we're going to pay this guy because 
He's been a great part of our organization. He's going to be here long term. We're going to take care of him. It's been the flip side. It's been take a discount for us. Take a second discount for us. We're not going to pay you that much. Play into a contract year. Uh, Go bet on yourself and play. Is there any defense at all? Can you think of over the last decade or so with any player the Bulls have tried to have negotiations with? I mean, no. (laughs) Like, not really. What what the Bulls have done is, is and and it hasn't happened in a while but back when Tibbs was running things he, he developed players in a way that put them up in a position to succeed and get paid elsewhere like there were a lot of players who were a vital role player and a positive role player in Tibbs's system that earned big contracts elsewhere and you know and, and names that come to mind like DJ Augustine um, Etwan Moore for sure. These players that were a part of a system and thrived and got better, and then because of that, earned themselves a nice payday for a different NBA team. As far as the organization itself, no, like not you know they've proven time and again that there's no loyalty to any players, uh, and that they run it like a business and they run it like a cheap fucking business. That that's I mean those are the bare bones and. The other thing about this stuff that Luol's talking about in that specific year um, and like asking to take a team discount, is that something that we've heard from a variety of sources? And even like recently, who was the player when we were still going over the last stand stuff? And, you know, it was like, you know, whose fault is the breakup of the dynasty? And what, what's Jerry Krause like? Is, is this Jerry Reinsdorf's fault? And they, and they were talking about the, the Bulls trying to lure big-name free agents like Tracy McGrady and Tim Duncan back in the day in the early 2000s and, and asking them to like take a cheaper uh, deal because it was just such an extra bonus to play for such a great organization like the Bulls. Like That kind of shit gets, gets tossed around NBA conversations all the time. It's no big secret. And as I said before, this is the wall dang. A franchise star. This dude did everything for you, literally nearly died for you because you, you, you treated him to a spinal tap that went wrong. Uh, I mean, like, come on. How, how, mo- how much more laughably incompetent can you look when it comes to running a business for showing some semblance of loyalty to the players that go out there and play and bleed and do everything for you. Matt, most people probably don't know or remember who the Bulls traded for and who they eventually ended up with after that trade. So let me let me flash back for you a little bit. So the Bulls traded Luol Deng to Cleveland for Andrew Bynum, a 2015 second-round draft pick, a 2016 second-round draft pick, and a 2017 second-round draft pick. The Bulls also had the option to swap first-round picks with Cleveland in 2015. Matt, do you remember any of those second-round picks that the Bulls ended up taking with any of those three Cleveland picks that they got for Luol Deng? One of them is the one that they traded to Golden State, right? For cash Correct. Patience? Correct. So, also, RIP Bulls legend Andrew Bynum. He's not dead. <laughs> just RIP Bulls legend. Is that like Bulls legend Carmelo Anthony? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's on the second tier, but beneath Carmelo. So outside of the Jordan Bell draft pick in 2017, where the Bulls traded that away, and uh, 
How many times did we have to hear about the fucking Sacramento first first round pick that we were supposed to get that was top oh 12 God. protected in 2014, top 10 protected for three years, and then what happened? Oh, yeah, it became a second round pick. That was worst case scenario, and uh, our buddy Gar Foreman loved to tout that after basically every season is uh, we kept our flexibility long term. Kept our flexibility long term, which was also important to us. And don't remember, we got a Sacramento pick a year from now, and I, I can just I can just remember hearing him say that. But Matt, that 2016 second round draft pick, that was our good friend Paul Zipster, who were high on. <laughs> oh, zip sanity. So they got Paul Zipser. They traded away the second round pick for Jordan Bell. That was supposed to be a first round pick from Sacramento. So the Bulls ended up getting screwed long term here. Is Luol Deng ended up playing, what, five more seasons across the NBA? And then the Bulls didn't play. Andrew Bynum didn't play a single game for the Bulls. The first second round draft pick in 2015, I don't even think played in the NBA, Sir Dominic Pointer. Paul Zipser had like a season and a half, and Jordan Bell is still in the league, just barely hanging on. So that's what we got for Luol Deng. Okay, that is true. Now, I want to flip it a little bit, Jordan, if you'll indulge me, and kind of play the devil's advocate here. And I'm, I already feel dirty just having said that. The Bulls were in in 2013-14. The season where they midseason traded Luol. And in the offseason prior, when Luol and Tibbs were trying to get that contract done before it was hanging over their heads midseason as an expiring contract. Derek Rose was once again on the shelf after a full season of rehabbing. That was a season, remember, where he comes in and in like the eighth or ninth game of the season and is out again. And the Bulls are trying to plug holes and whatever. Um, and the, the Bulls are just kind of waiting. Luol said it in this interview on Instagram Live. The Bulls are, you know, trying to keep this core together and get ready, wait for Rose to get healthy so they can make another run at it. And instead of trying to keep Luol on that team discount, which he had no interest in doing, the Bulls say, okay, let's trade him. Let's get something for him. Let's move on. Which, yes, pissed off Tibbs and pissed off Luol. And they did, that trade did not yield a whole lot. Uh, you know, they got nothing instead of nothing. But when you look at what happens in the summer of 2014, with all of the relatable pieces here, Luol Deng eventually, after finishing that, you know, half a season with Cleveland, signed a two-year, $20 million deal with, with Miami Heat to go be LeBron's replacement after LeBron decides to leave Miami and go back home to Cleveland. So the Bulls offered him three-year 30. He eventually signs two-year 20 and probably had higher offers, but maybe thought, hey, Wade's still there, Bosch is still there, I can go maybe compete and contend with this Miami team. So he actually takes a shorter deal for less money than what the Bulls offer. Meanwhile, the Bulls in that summer of free agency, remember, it was like maybe that's the summer they were going to go after Melo and get Melo. They were close to getting Melo, and then Melo chickens out and stays in New York. Instead, they sign Pau Gasol. You remember what that Pau Gasol deal was? It was three years, $22 million. Cheaper. Cheaper than three years, 30 that they offered Luol Deng. 
Now, I'm just going to pose this to you, Jordan. That 14-15 Bulls team that had a mostly healthy Derrick Rose, a rising star Jimmy Butler, still had Joe Keem, still had Tibbs running the helm, still had Taj, had other role players like Mike Dunleavy, adds Pau Gasol, who has an 18-12 and 12 all-star season, all-NBA season. If instead of signing Pau, they keep Luol, do they get past Cleveland in the second round? Probably not, because Pau has arguably had his best year, right? He had arguably his best year of his career outside of the Lakers championship year. I mean, people were talking about a resurrection and, and of his career. And if Powell doesn't get hurt in that second round series against Cleveland, maybe the Bulls win that series. But I also, I will also push back on the notion too that Luol Deng's money was the only factor here. Like Carlos Boozer's money came off the books after that year anyway. Carlos Boozer went and became a free agent that year, and I don't remember his contract situation off the top of my head, but. That is surprising to me, actually, that you say that Paul Gasol's deal at three years, $22 million, was better than what... I remember at the time when Luol Deng signed two for 20, we were all like, what the fuck? Why, are, why is somebody paying Luol Deng that much money? Is he even going to be healthy enough to play and consistently stay on the floor? And what, what does he have left in the, in the tank? And sure enough, he played 72 games for Miami and then 74 and then followed up with 56 with the Lakers in three seasons. Um, injuries obviously riddled that a little bit, but I, I right. see what and, you're saying. He did eventually get that giant contract in the summer of 2016, right. you know, when everybody got giant <laughs> contracts, when he signed that deal with the Lakers, uh, four Joe. years, 72, which, uh, by the way, uh, the Lakers paid Luol Dang $5 million this year. They're going to pay him $5 million again next year. And they're going to pay him $5 million the year after that. <laughs> So people wonder why Luol Deng isn't part of the the organization anymore and why he hasn't really come back, although the fans have loved him and still love him to this day. It's because of shit like this. Guys remember the way that they were tossed out. You know, we talk about, even most, most recently, Matt, talk about Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis loved this organization. And he, he even, even after getting kicked in the nuts... And being told, you know what, we're not going to trade you unless it's for Kevin Durant or LeBron James. And then uh, 48 hours later, you're being shipped off to Washington. It, 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 To me, it doesn't make any sense. And guys will say, yeah, it left a bad taste in my mouth when I was here. And although I love the organization and 95% of the time I spent here, being shown the door and then the door slamming on me, as I turn around and go to a different team, it doesn't feel great. And there's players consistently that talk about the same exact theme. Whoever you want to talk about, whatever type of player you want to talk about, whether it be Jimmy Butler, whether it be Luol Deng, whether it be Bobby Portis, whether it be Spencer Dinwiddie, whoever it is, guys always leave this organization more times than not recently that have bad tastes in their mouth. And hopefully Karnaschovas and Eversley can fix that because th- there's a huge problem. There's still stories, still stories to this day, 10 years ago that are leaking out about how badly the front office w- would try to treat these players just to save a few dollars, just to save a few dollars and remind you that the bulls are worth over $3 billion. Right. This organization prints money. And I think that's, you know, Hey, maybe they print money cause they're, a very strict business as far as what they spend versus the insane amount that they bring in. 
I think that's the part that kind of has a, you know, leaves a bitter taste in, in, in most fans' mouths, though, is that, like, especially for longtime franchise staples and high-character, highly-respected guys like Luol Deng, who's coach, who, in his tenure since you hired him, is, like, you know, percentage-wise, the second winningest coach in your franchise's history behind Phil Jackson, says, hey, this guy's important to what we do. He's vital to what we do. Get a contract signed. The Bulls front office was thinking prudently and thinking, hey, yeah, Luol Deng is 28, and he's still prime, but he's getting towards the end of his prime, and, you know, especially with all the miles on his legs in the years that he played for the Bulls, we don't want to overpay. The Bulls didn't want to be in a scenario like the Lakers where, hey, we're going to give Luol Deng this massive contract and try and get some quality out of him at the beginning of that and then end up hating that contract at the back end. I see the logic to the Bulls not wanting to pay that. Uh, but it's just the way that they handle things, as, as you d- explained, that comes across as just, uh, you know, um, insensitive, uh, disloyal, unappreciative. And Luol said uh, right before the segment we played in this interview when talking about his departure, when I got traded, the guy who traded me ruined the team. Talking about Gar, and then later goes on to name GM who you know executed the trade. He said the guy that traded me ruined the team. And then Luol was talking about you know trying to get D Rose healthy and making another run at a chip with that core. That's how he felt. And then we hear you know earlier this year I can't remember if it was this season or last season where they do like the honorary Luol Deng one day contract retires as a bull thing. And every, you know, the old, a bunch of old bulls, you know, the D Rose year bulls and the baby bulls that the, were the Wall's teammates come back to the United Center. And we hear from multiple media outlets that it was socially awkward in Jerry's booth, in, in uh, Jerry's C suite, because Gar was just aloof and not talking to any of these players, and probably also vice versa, because none of these players like or respect Gar Foreman. We, we studied the options kept our flexibility long-term, which was also important to us. You can just see the vibe. Yeah, there was no vibe in that, in, in that owner's suite when that happened. And I'm curious, if, I'm curious if there was any players that actually liked Gar. But it, it's tough to be that guy. It's tough to be the guy when you're talking about people's money. So, but, I mean, for somebody, for, for Luol Deng to say it that bluntly, too, just to be like, yeah, the dude that traded me ruined the team. And I'm sure he's not the only person of that core of guys that feel that way. Um, but yeah, man, I, I was blown and away. Look, I mean, I, I keep it's 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 frustrating to listen to. It's also relieving to remind yourself in the present that Gar is gone, like it's gone, true. gone. G-O-N-E gone, not stuffed in a closet like John, not Bulls fans are still wondering and worrying if John Paxson still has a voice and still has his fingerprints on what's happening here while Jim Boylan is still employed. It'll take a while for the organization to repair the damage that he did, but at least thankfully he's gone. But again, just one last time, devil's advocate, it is fair to wonder if things played out differently, and instead of signing Pau, they keep Luol around for another contract if the Bulls actually get any closer to that championship that the D-Rose, Joe Keem, Luol core never reached. 
Al was really good that year when they got bounced in the second round. Really good. Always forget too about uh about Mike Dunleavy too. And if Mike Dunleavy hadn't gotten hurt and basically his career ended pretty much because of all the back issues that he was having with the Bulls and he tried to he tried to extend it. I think when the Bulls traded him to Cleveland and it just didn't work. He only played I want to say he only ended up playing like 10 or 15 games the rest of his career. I could be wrong on that, but no, when he got traded. Yeah, so to- he he signed a he signed an extension. So after his first year, uh, his first contract, Dunleavy's first contract with the Bulls was free agency 2013, two years, six and a half million, super cheap deal. I think that may have been a mid-level. Um, and then in 15, so like the summer after they get bounced by Cleveland in round two, he signs a three-year, 14 and a half million extension. The following summer, after just one more year, the 15-16 year, that was a disaster where it's Fred's first year and they don't even make the playoffs. They trade him uh, to Cleveland. And then they trade him to Atlanta and Atlanta waves him in, in June of 2017. So, yeah, it was it was a quick exit for Dunleavy after that. Yeah, and he, had, he only played a total of 53 games in those final two years. And well, that final season, and even with the Bulls in his final season with the Bulls, he only played in 31 games. And the year before that, we were talking about uh, he only played in 63 games there, too. So, really, the only healthy season we got out of Dunleavy was that first year uh, in 2013 2014. So, I always wonder about that, too, if Dunleavy was able to stay healthy. Uh, maybe they, they wouldn't have needed Luol Dang as badly. And thinking also, too, about their mistake with Tony Snell, man. Like they expected Tony Snell to come in and fill this huge role. And Jimmy Butler, thank thank God we had Jimmy Butler because it was like, if Jimmy Butler wasn't that guy and he turned into a Tony Snell type of player, it was like, we were screwed, man. We were screwed at the wing. So uh, they tried things and it didn't work. I mean, just based on the production that Luol had after he left and the production that Powell gave the Bulls in that, 14-15 season, you know, face value, you look at it and say, I mean, actually, maybe the Bulls were better off with Powell than they were with Wall. But you just mentioned Jimmy Butler, and, and defensively, you know, he he rose to start him as a scorer also in that, you know, in that season. But Jimmy Butler being tasked to score some more points and also guard LeBron in a playoff series, what if Jimmy and Luol could still split those minutes guarding LeBron? What if they could split those minutes defensively to give each other a break opportunities to create offensively? And because remember, as as great as Powell was on the offensive end, and yeah, he pulled down eleven or twelve rebounds a night. Defensively, he created some problems for the Bulls. Uh, he, you know, just his age and his lack of mobility. Because if you remember that fourteen fifteen year, the final Tibbs year, uh, with Luol gone and Powell you know, being the big key addition in, in, in the offseason, their defensive rating fell all the way to 11th. A team whose defense was like top five perennially since Tibbs got to town. It's a good point. I didn't even think about that to the defensive side of the ball. And I'm just like thinking too, if the Bulls had brought back Dang and even kept Powell, like they're, I can't remember the contract situation that the Bulls were in or the money that they had available, but if they were able to bring Dang back and also sign Powell at the same time, I, I think about how much of a relief it might have been on Joe Kim Noah as well. Think about all the minutes that he had to play because him and Powell 
while Powell could play the four and the Bulls could move him there, it was more so we saw a lot of, as soon as Joakim got off the floor, it was Powell and Jimmy on the floor. And remember, even in like Powell's final season, Jimmy and Powell were doing that weird thing where they were, you know, Powell was running the offense, throwing lobs to Jimmy and vice versa. And we were like, what is going on here exactly? I always wonder too, if that would have relieved some of the pressure on Powell in his second year, even in that first year that he was here. And also, too, on Joe Kim Noah's having to still be that number one guy grinded out for 40 minutes and when clearly he wasn't that guy anymore. Uh, I always wonder about that, too. And, you know, the depth that the Bulls thought that they had just didn't. It was one domino after the other, Matt, of negativity, right? Dunleavy falls out with injury. Tony Snell isn't the guy. Jimmy Butler is your star, but who do you have after that? And it's caused this, like, it's caused this weird gap. And even we're still seeing effects from that today, Matt. Have we had a guy that has played the wing position outside of, and I wouldn't even really call Butler towards the end our wing player. He was more of our two we haven't had a real wing player that has been sturdy, reliable, can play both sides of the ball since Dang has been here. No. I mean, unless you want to count young Pip. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, sorry, that was a, a terrible <laughs> joke. No, no, the Bulls have not had a steady wing at that spot um, since uh, Jimmy replaced the wall and then Jimmy uh, gets traded. Um, no, they have not. And, you know, you thought if he were healthy, an established veteran like Otto would come in and fill that role beautifully. And for a while last season, like soon after the Bulls made that trade and Otto played whatever it was, like, you know, 10 or so games before getting hurt, you actually saw what Otto's presence did for the Bulls as far as their spacing and their offense and their offensive IQ. Just having a smart, capable wing offensively, who's also a pretty decent defender in his own right. And you were like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, players at this position are important in today's NBA. And the Bulls haven't had any. So, you know, as as much as I still think that the Bulls could uh, use a true point guard uh, as far as looking at this upcoming draft, the, it's it's either that or it's it's a wing. Like It's, it's got to be. Because I'm, I'm sorry, but... Hutch has shown flashes, but the dude can't stay healthy. His shot is still a mess. I I have no faith in that. And Otto is clearly not long for the Bulls world. Yeah, Otto, it's been a disappointment, that's for sure. And same thing with Hutchison. But again, both of those things riddled by injuries that are kind of out of your hands. So it's just disappointing, like you have said. And with Hutch, too, it's like, how much more can you wait Dude's 24. We knew this when the Bulls drafted him. He was 22 at the time. And it was like, if he didn't stay healthy, things could go wrong pretty quickly. And hopefully Hutch can come back and we see something out of him. And let's just actually, let's let's set the bare minimum bar at, let's hope Hutch can stay healthy enough to get through a season. Uh, I think that's where the bar needs to be set now. But yeah, interesting yeah. words from uh, from Luol Dang, man. And it's it's always fun and sort of depressing, I guess, to reflect back on those early 2010 days, uh, but not surprised at all from some of the comments that he made. Uh, but that's yeah. good about and and it was it was like you know to finish on a positive note, it was just really awesome to hear him describe that story about their negotiations as Tibbs being 100% in his corner. We always knew that Tibbs loved Luol and referred to Luol as the glue guy and the guy that held everything together, which was true. On both ends of the floor, that was true. When the Bulls needed a bucket, 
and you know if Derek was having an off night or whatever, whatever, they could rely on Luol to create his own shot, get a bucket, get to the free throw line, and the dude did everything defensively. So to hear that little anecdote about him and, and Tibbs being a, like a unified front coming in uh, to negotiate with Gar, it was just really like it made, it made my heart warm for a minute, you know. <laughs> It's hard to find players that were anti-Thibs, at least in with that core of guys. Everybody that talks about that era in those teams, whether you talk about Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler, Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson, uh, even Luol Deng always have a high praise and, and a lot of really good things to say about Tom Thibodeau. And I know things didn't end great here either. What a s- shocker. What a surprise. But yeah, all those players have, have wonderful things to say about him, so... Uh, it'll be interesting to see where Tom Thibodeau ends up, too, because I'm sure as hell I would be willing to bet my bank account that he's got a job before we start next season. So I guess we'll just uh, have to wait and see and find out. But that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Thanks again for listening to the show. Thanks again to Bill Barr for sponsoring today's episode. And same thing with rockauto.com. You can hit us up with your questions, your comments. You've got thoughts on this as well. 331-979-1369. Drop your text messages, your voicemails. Anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. For Matt Peckham, Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Paul Zipster, who we're high on. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com 